Science fiction doesn't always deal with the future. Sometimes science fiction can be a blast from the past. Hey everyone, and welcome back to 1995, where we reconnoiter the rim of science fiction from the best of the best to the weird, weird west. We take a look at science fiction shows that not everybody knows. Take the adventurous spirit of Indiana Jones. The comedy of Army of Darkness makes in a healthy dash of steampunk and science, and a pinch of Back to the Future Part Three. Then send a Harvard-educated lawyer turned bounty hunter out into the wild, and what you end up with are the adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Before we get too far, let me say one thing right away. Where have all the amazing intros gone? I mean, seriously. Today, everything is so brooding. Just trying to set up a tone. We need some bombastic, melodic theme songs. Now I know most people today skip opening credits, but seriously, take a moment to appreciate some of these compositions. Anyway, back to our regularly scheduled Briscoe. The adventures of Briscoe County Jr., often referred to as just Briscoe or Briscoe County, was an American Weird Western television series created by Jeffrey Bohm and Carlton Coos. It ran for 27 episodes on the Fox Network, starting in the 1993-1994 season. Set in the American West of 1893, the series follows its titular character, the Harvard-educated lawyer-turned-bounty hunter, hired by a group of wealthy industrialists to track and capture outlaw John Bly and his gang. While primarily a western, the series routinely includes elements of science fiction and the steampunk genre, which to me is all it takes to be considered sci-fi. Just wait till we get to the sci-fi Baywatch spin-off. And no, that is not a joke. On the topic of jokes though, humor is a huge part of Briscoe. The writers, quote unquote attempted to keep the jokes and situations just under over the top. Briscoe, developed by Bowman Cruz at the request of Fox executive Bob Greenblatt, Greenblatt, impressed by their work on the script for the 1989 film Indiana Jones and Last Crusade, ended up suggesting that they develop a series that bore the tone and style of vintage movie serials. Now, these initial ideas and proposals were more often suited more to film than television and had to be scaled down. 
Honestly, today would be a good time to try and revive some of those ideas. Albeit, maybe not during a writer's strike. Briscoe was one of the last television shows filmed on the Warner Brothers Western backlot, nicknamed Laramie Street. It had been used for decades in shows like Lawman, Sugarfoot, Bronco, Colt 45, The Dakotas, and Maverick. Randy Edelman composed the amazing theme music, which ended up being reused by NBC during its coverage of the 1997 World Series and later in the Olympic Games. It's a pretty interesting practice where themes from one property show up in entirely separate products. Like, I remember one time hearing the Tron Legacy soundtrack appearing in a trailer for a Resident Evil film. Or even more surprisingly, the Stargate theme being used for uh, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. Now, during its broadcast run, the adventures of Briscoe County Jr. garnered a small but dedicated following. And it was well-received by critics who praised the humor and unique blend of genres. The series earned high ratings at the beginning of its season, but later episodes failed to attract substantial numbers of viewers. Fox canceled the show at the end of its first and only season. In 2006, there was a DVD set released by Warner Home Video, which did contain all 27 episodes. Alas, the show was not available for free streaming, and I simply couldn't condone searching the Internet Archive for the entire series to stream. Because <clears throat> that'd be immoral. Well, that's enough about the real world. I think it's high time we take a look into the world of Briscoe. Bruce Campbell plays Briscoe, who's joined by a colorful group of supporting characters, including Julius Carey as fellow bounty hunter Lord Bowler, and Christian Clemson as the stick-in-the-mud lawyer Aristotle. I mean Sophocles. I mean Socrates Poole. John Aston plays Professor Wickwire, an inventor who assists Briscoe with anachronistic technology, including diving suits, motorcycles, rockets, and airships. Wickwire's ideas and inventions play into Briscoe's interest in technology and the future, something that Briscoe calls the common thing, which is a central theme throughout the series. A large number of episodes even involve an object called the Orb, a powerful device from the future. Each encounter with the orb reveals a fantastic effect on the people who use it. Series creator and executive producer Colton Coos said that the orb represented faith, and that depending on the intentions of those who use it, the object either rewards or punishes them accordingly. See, I told you, science fiction. So let's take a look at the pilot, seen as a two-part series premiere. Chapter 1 The Blast Supper The famous U.S. Marshal, Briscoe County Sr., has apprehended a gang of outlaws and its leader, the notorious John Bly. While transporting them to stand trial, County is murdered after a very wily coyote plan, and the gang escapes. Meanwhile, in a nearby mine, a group of shackled Chinese workers unearths the orb, 
a large golden globe studded with rods. A worker draws out one of the rods from the orb, then touches several of his co-workers with it. As each worker is touched, the rod is imbuing them with superhuman strength, which they use to break the iron chains that bind them, thus freeing themselves. Members of the Westerfield Club, a group of robber barons, hire Briscoe County Jr., the son of the slain U.S. Marshal, to track and recapture Bly and his gang. Mr. Thorogood insists that Briscoe was accompanied by the club's timid lawyer, Socrates Poole, who relays instructions and financial support. Meanwhile, another bounty hunter, Lord Bowler, who was also known for his expert tracking skills, also hopes to capture Bly. Bitter over the Elder County's fame, Bowler treats Briscoe as a rival. Briscoe is then invited to a luncheon by an unknown individual. Upon arriving, he and Poole are met by Bowler, who proceeds to test the younger Briscoe's mettle by lighting a bundle of dynamite at the table, to which Briscoe responds by pouring over the menu until he settles on a meal. Chapter 2 Scarred Feet Turn Up the Heat The U.S. government has arrived at the mining site to collect the orb, calling it the Unearthed Foreign Object, also known as the UFO. Mr. Thurgood believes that the object should belong to the railway, but the government disagrees. The incident at the restaurant places both bounty hunters in front of a judge. Bowler suggests that Briscoe take his 60-day sentence. Instead, he uses his knowledge of the law to threaten a jury trial. Bowler distances himself from Briscoe, expecting harsh retaliation. Instead, the judge relents and dismisses the case. At least for Briscoe on account of Bowler denying any connection between the two. In his secret lair, John Bly is setting up a plan that he claims will allow him to take over the country with money and power by committing the theft of a government gold train. An informant from San Francisco reports that Briscoe has been hired to track him down, and Bly has his second-in-command, Big Smith, enlist the help of the Scarred Foot clan. He spreads the word that Briscoe was working with Smith to take down their clan. The clan attacks Briscoe and Poole in their hotel room, leaving behind a medallion and the pair dangling precariously over a ledge. Chapter 3 Hot Flames, Two Dames, and Loose Reins Briscoe follows this medallion to their secret hideout in Chinatown. What begins as a misunderstanding soon turns into a meeting with the clan leader, an old friend of Briscoe Sr. The elder Briscoe had rescued the clan leader, and in return, he fashioned the grip of the famous firearm still carried by our hero. Poole and Briscoe meet up at the Horseshoe Club, following the lead on the potential painter of the rock used in the train escape, and coincidentally, also the location of Big Smith's apparent girlfriend, Dixie Cousins. Socrates takes in the show, while Briscoe takes an errant fist to the face. His accidental assailant is the daughter of one Professor Wickwire, who is visiting in San Francisco. Outside of the club, our protagonists witness Dixie attempting to flee on a nighttime stagecoach, onto which Briscoe sneaks aboard. The next day, Bowler has escaped his sentence and uses Comet, Briscoe's horse, to track him down. 
Briscoe's enjoying his ride with Dixie when the drivers succumb to their dubious drinking. Chapter 4 Lowdown Showdown Escaping from the runaway stagecoach, Brick Escaping from the runaway stagecoach, Briscoe and Dixie find themselves in the front of Smith and his gang. To save his hide, Briscoe assumes the identity of an outlaw, and the whole retinue rides to Sutter Creek, a town with no sheriff, a brothel owning mayor, and a drunk minister. Smith and Briscoe share a drink where Smith's involvement in the murder of Marshall Briscoe is revealed. When attempting to send a telegraph message back to Poole, a second meeting with Wickwire inadvertently leads Briscoe to touching Pete's peace. And you never want to put your hands on Pete's peace. The pair take positions in a classic showdown in the street. Chapter 5. Yell to your horse. The showdown is unfair, with three of Smith's men taking position on Briscoe's flanks. Cleverly, he hits the dirt, and each member hits the other. Briscoe ends up the last man standing, and Dixie convinces him to have a one-night stand. Following his romp, he sets out on some recon, reckoning that someone's working on the railroad. He finds Smith's gang assembling their new spur for the heist but he makes his presence known, seeking shelter with Wickwire and his daughter. The professor begins sharing his work, which is a rocket. Briscoe demonstrates that his intelligence goes beyond that of simply the law and the ladies, but a number of scientific subjects as well. The next day, Briscoe finds himself sold out by his horse and Lord Bowler, who was captured by Smith the night before. Both bounty hunters find themselves tied to the tracks, and the only one who can save them is one snappy steed. Chapter 6 Spur of the Moment Just in time, the pair are freed, and Briscoe hightails it back to Wickwire's farm. To stop the train, he commandeers the rocket, racing down the rails without any brakes. Smith and co. climb aboard and search the carriages for their cargo, finding not only the gold, but the UFO as well. Briscoe makes his way to the train car and engages Smith in a fight. After attempting to throw Briscoe off, he's knocked off the train into a river, seemingly to his death. There's no time to relax, though, as he has to stop this runaway train. And there's too many breaks. The train quickly approaches the end of the track and slows down just in the nick of time. Briscoe returns to the Westerfield Club to speak with Mr. Thoroughgood. He had put a few pieces together. Mr. Thoroughgood was in league with Bly, and his unique cane had made marks on Dixie's bed. He was the one responsible for sharing the rail schedule. Upon these accusations, he attacks Briscoe, revealing that he too had touched the orb and gained enhanced strength. Briscoe gets the upper hand, and Thoroughgood suddenly finds himself weakened, beginning to dissolve. Meeting with Poole, who has now softened his attitude, even taking to calling Briscoe Brisk, the two discuss the nature of the orb, granting freedom to the miners, and death 
to the corrupt man. Briscoe rides off to his father's grave, lamenting his loss and the many missed opportunities that the two could have had. He tells his father that he understands how difficult his father's job was, and how the first nearly killed him, with twelve more men left to capture. Mounting Comet, Briscoe has a long ride ahead of him. The End Joining the primary cast are a handful of one-off and recurring characters. Briscoe County Sr., played by the impeccable R. Lee Ermey, Big Smith, played by M.C. Ganey, John Bly, played by Billy Drago, the Elder of the Scarred Foot Clan, by the incomparable James Hong, Dixie Cousins, played by Kelly Rutherford, is a saloon singer and con artist who has a brief romantic encounter with Briscoe, Pete Hutter, John Piper Ferguson is a hapless mercenary working for Bly. Pete appears as a comic foil to trade barbs with the heroes throughout the series. Whip Morgan, played by Jeff Phillips, is a young card shark who attempts to assist Briscoe and Bowler often, ending up with him causing trouble. I freaking love this show. I mean, call me a sucker for anything with Bruce Campbell, but his charm and comedic timing absolutely sold me on this show. Each episode is broken into chapters like a book, not too dissimilar to a particular novel I'm writing. And there are a few time periods that I don't feel get enough screen time these days. And the Wild West is one of them. Even less are westerns that feature supernatural or science fiction elements. The Weird West is rife with possibilities, and this show proves you can absolutely pull it off. How the show lost its viewership is absolutely astonishing. I'd feel like any other network but Fox would have given it more of a fair shake. Heck, they at least gave Sliders a couple of seasons. The comedy is top-notch, and the sheer amount of practical stunts is amazing. Far too often today we rely on CGI or shooting on indoor sets, and we miss out on skilled stunt performers and wild pyrotechnics. As I said before, you can find it available to purchase on Amazon digitally, or if you're lucky, you can pick up an 8-DVD box set from there as well. Because if you're streaming the Internet Archive, <coughs> this is bad and <coughs> you should feel bad. <coughs> For our next episode, we're going from Home Home on the Range to a new frontier with the short-lived Space Rangers. Until next time.